morning. <laughs> I love being in this house. I love worshiping with you all. And I don't know if it's just because I'm in the front seat, but it is a beautiful sound hearing everybody just give it. The collective body of Christ worshiping our God and Savior. It has been loud, it has been lit, and I am here for it. I love it. <laughs> uh, it's awesome to be here this morning. My name is Jordan. I am part of the team here at Faith, and I get the privilege of sharing from God's Word uh, with you this morning. And I love any time I get to do that on a Sunday morning, because usually I'm that message in between. So like a series is just finished, one is about to begin, and I'm just like that in-between zone. So the world is my oyster, I have no restrictions. Uh, I can just do whatever I want. So here I am today <laughs> in that gap message. So Pastor Glenn just finished his series, uh, My Faith, My City, My Church. We talked about uh, our own faith, my faith, my personal faith, uh, and a faithful God, and belonging to a community of faith together. And you talked about my church, or my city. Uh, our city is our mission. Halifax is our mission, sharing the good news to our city. And my church, he talked about this beautiful community, yes, within these four walls, but the, the bigger body of Christ just on mission, doing what God has called us to do. My faith, my city, my church. Great, that's great. <laughs> we know who we are now. Uh, we've declared what we believe, but what now? So we are faith, city, church. The question is now what? We're in this middle ground now after declaring who we are, declaring our faith, defining our mission, and being empowered to go out and do that as a church, but now what? So life is all about these in-between moments. And my prayer for us as a church and as individuals who call Jesus our savior is that we don't miss the beauty of the in-betweens. The moments in between, the big moments between the declarations, the moments where it's so evident like God is moving. But I believe God works in the in-between. So this morning we're gonna take a look at God in the gaps. We all have periods of our lives that we can define as a gap. So some people, it's you have one job and you're moving to another job and there's this gap in between. Or you are graduating from post-secondary education and you're waiting to find a job. So there's a gap and that gap seems to get bigger and bigger and bigger um, lately in our generation. But uh, some people are in a gap where you have a job and you're in this big, long gap waiting for retirement. There's all kinds of just gaps in our lives. And about seven years ago, I had one of the most stressful gaps in my life that I can remember. And I had just finished uh, my diploma in dental hygiene at Dalhousie. And as many professions do, there was a board exam at the end of the program. So basically, in short, a board exam, no matter what you've learned in your program, at the end, you have to recall it all for this one big exam before you can practice your profession. So it doesn't matter if you excelled in your classes, in your courses, your tests, your exams. It didn't matter. You had to remember everything that you had learned for this one exam. All these things that you've probably dumped out of your brain to make room for more. No, no, no. You got to recall them back at the end of your two to four year program on this one test. Now, you can typically redo these exams, but there's usually a waiting period of a couple months before you can do it again. And I didn't feel like I had time to wait, so I had a lot riding on this exam because I had applied for a program that was going to upgrade my diploma to a degree, but my acceptance was conditional on passing that board exam the very first try. 
So I felt like I had a lot riding on it because if I didn't pass, it, from what I could see at that point in my life, if it didn't pass, that meant I couldn't stay in Halifax to continue the program. I was gonna have to go back to No Funswick. I was gonna have to move back in with my parents. I was going to have to find a job that had nothing to do with this profession that I had spent so much money and time working towards. And I didn't wanna do it. And I really enjoyed the life that I had been building, started to build in Halifax, and I wanted to stay. I needed to pass that exam. Usually, I tested very well. Usually, I would over-prepare for an exam, I'd sit down for it, and I'd do pretty well, I could walk away feeling pretty good about the exam. I sat down for this board exam, and it took me reading about three questions to realize that this exam was a machine of its own. A whole different ballgame. Instead of questions like, and like, keep in mind, this is a dental hygiene exam, so instead of questions like you would expect, like, what is plaque? How does plaque form on teeth? Or um, how are x-rays used in diagnosing cavities? There wasn't questions like that. There was questions like, John works for a battery manufacturing company. In Arizona, where temperatures typically exceed 105 degrees Celsius, the company uses diagnostic imaging to test the viability of these batteries. John goes to the dentist on Tuesday. What might you find on John's teeth? <laughs> completely outlandish, like it didn't, they didn't make any sense. And I'm not making that up. I was talking to one of my friends from school this week and I was like, do you remember that battery question? Yeah, it happened. <laughs> it, like every question was like, as if we were like studying to become true crime detectives. Like <laughs> it had nothing in my mind to do with what I had actually spent the last two years studying. So I completed that exam and I walked away from that and I lived in this gap of five weeks between completing the exam and getting the results. In that time period, I lost 10 pounds. <laughs> I dreamt every night that all the teeth fell out of my head. <laughs> I went so far, I had a flip phone at the time. I went so far in that five week period, that is when I upgraded to a smartphone, just so I could refresh the screen every hour for that five weeks waiting for my test results. Someone said to me this week, Oh, you're preaching. They're like, oh yeah, you, you always have a story to go with your preaching. And I was like, oh yeah, I guess I do. <laughs> and then I thought, I was like, I mean, I like, I need, I'm gonna run out of stories. I need some more drama in my life. <laughs> and then I thought, I started <laughs> preparing this message and then I realized I has had enough drama at that period in my life to last me a lifetime of message. I was so dramatic. During that five week period, at any point in time, I could be found curled up on a ball in the couch because I just could not cope. I had no coping skills at that time in my life. <laughs> no coping skills at all. To me, everything was riding on that exam. Not because I wanted to become a dental hygienist because clearly I've already jumped that ship. <laughs> but I wanted the life I had envisioned and I needed that to get there. I was not productive in that gap. I saw no value in that gap, and I certainly was not looking for God to move in that gap. But life is all about these in-between moments. So for the next couple minutes, we are going to look at these in-between moments and what God has did for his disciples in some of those moments. We're gonna read from a couple different scriptures um, in Acts, and I wanna read from this portion because I believe we can see God working in the lives of his disciples here. This, where we're gonna pick up the scripture, it takes place after Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins so that we could have new life and life eternal with him. And it was after he miraculously raised from the dead and his, he and his disciples continued on the mission to spread his name across the earth. 
In this time, from when Jesus resurrected until where we pick up in scripture, he had redeemed those disciples who had betrayed him. He continued to reveal himself in new ways to his followers. He gave them and really us beautiful insights into his character in this gap of time. And this is where we pick up scripture in Acts 1, 6 to 11. And then we're gonna go to Acts 2, 1 to 6. We're just gonna jump one after the other and then kind of pick them apart afterwards. So Acts 1, 6 to 11. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times and they are not for us to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you and you will be my witness telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising to heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here and staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken away from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. And then there's a gap. Then we pick up in Acts 2, 1 to 6. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind, which we can relate to from the last couple of days, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated them and came to rest in each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And then there's another gap. And this is the gap that we're living in today, waiting for Jesus to return. So basically, Jesus ascended to heaven. He made an elusive comment that someday he'd be back. (laughs) And he said, I will send you a helper, but no time frame around that. (laughs) And then then the disciples were to go and move forward in that in his mission. Then there's a gap. The comforter he promised finally comes. The spirit enables them. And then we're still waiting for the kingdom to come. So I can't help but wonder how long the disciples were up, like staring up to heaven after Jesus ascended. Like, I feel like in the moment, they probably thought like it was like a BRB moment, like be right back. I'm just gonna go hop up here, grab your helper and then shoot right back down and we'll take care of this. Uh, But that's not what happened. He was not back in a jiffy. (laughs) The disciples up until this point, they had completely relied on Jesus. They were spiritually dependent on him during his earthly life. And here they were now, Jesus is gone. And they were expected to take the gospel to the rest of the world. So it was very much so a now what moment for the disciples. You know, they were living in this gap of promise given and promise received. They were in the middle. So what did they do? Well, during this time, they sought the Lord. I think we can learn a lot of lessons from how the disciples waited on God's promises in this gap. And firstly, they waited in expectancy. So when Jesus had ascended, they were waiting for his helper. They were expected. They knew the God that they served was a God of promises. He was going to fulfill it. So they were fulfill it. So they were expectant that he would fulfill his promises. They expected the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They were confident it was going to come. Another thing they did in the gap is they waited uh, with desire. They, the disciples had seen the miracles of Christ firsthand. They knew and understood the hope of Jesus and they longed for the outpouring of his spirit. But they knew without his power, they'd come up short. So they desired the Lord, knowing that only he could equip them. So they waited in this gap with expectancy and desire 
and also prayerfully. They sought him in hopeful utterance before God. They sought him in expectancy, desire, and prayer. So are we today in our gaps earnestly seeking after the Lord? Are we expectant he will fulfill his promises? One of the biggest things I think we can do for ourselves when we're feeling like we're in a big, fat gap in between moment is position ourselves in a posture of expectancy. How do we do that though? One of the ways I think is, is we preach ourselves the pro- preach to ourselves the promises of God. You know, the disciples, they sat waiting, reminding themselves of this promise. We have been given the word of God. God speaks in all kinds of ways. We've been given his word in front of us, filled with promises of who he is, what he's going to do for us, for the world, for the city, all of it. It's right there. It's seeing the glory of God that is the fire in our pursuit as we seek God. So let your mind run through the word. Like the Bible's full of it. He pursues you with goodness and mercy. That's in there. That's a promise. He, great is your reward in heaven. He will complete the work he has begun in you. He brings all things together for good for those who believe in him. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. It's all there. Preach to yourselves these promises. Let them pour out of your mouth and into your soul as you seek the Lord. Earnestly seek him with expectation, desire, and prayer. Do you know that God loves to be bothered by us? <laughs> he says it in Isaiah, to take no rest. Give me no rest as you prayerfully engage with me. He says, don't stop asking. I'm listening. Bother me. I am listening. Ask, seek, knock. I'm here for it. <laughs> he delights in the asking and he's faithful in the promises. So what do we do in the gaps? Just as the disciples did. And they earnestly sought the Lord, expectation, desire, and prayer. And then 10 days later, he sent his comfort, helper, and they were empowered to do their work. Then we see God working in gaps in new ways. He came, fulfilled the promise. He said to spirit, he closed the gap, but now they, and really us, we, are in this gap of life (laughs) where the spirit fell and now until eternity. So what do we do now? We fulfill Christ's mission empowered by the Holy Spirit. And, you know, we have so many examples of God moving in the gaps, in the mundane moments of life, uh, moments that aren't supposed to mean anything. We see it time and time again in the Bible. Life is about these in-between moments, and I believe we can confidently rely on three things to happen in these in-between moments. The first one being, the in-between moments are where the miracles of God happen. I'm gonna read from Acts 3, 1 to 10. So this is after Jesus came and died and resurrected and ascended and sent his spirit. It's after all of that. Um, And two of his disciples um, are just living their everyday average life. And we're gonna pick it up in Acts 3, 1 to 10. It says, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. 
He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them to the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Peter and John were on their way to the temple to pray. They were in between their home and their destination. Nothing exciting was supposed to happen in the middle there. (laughs) Then they find this man, he's asking for money as he had done time and time again because he felt like that's what he needed. He needed to survive. He couldn't walk, so he needed money to eat. And Peter and John stopped. So I imagine this man is pretty excited. He's like, sweet, I'm gonna get some money. I'm gonna be able to eat tonight. This is great. And he had a bit of hope stirred in him when they stopped and said, look at me. But then... They say, I don't have what you, need, what you want, but I, what I can give you, I give you the name of Jesus, walk, miracle. This miracle was not the original destination, but our God is a God of the in-between. Are we looking for God to move in the in-between moments? Are we expecting it? Do we have a desire for it? Are we asking for it? Because the in-between moments are where the miracles of God happen. I love this story because the man was asking for what he thought he needed. You know, he had accepted his condition. He was not gonna be able to walk, not gonna be able to work. He thought he needed money to survive. But God knew what he truly needed to walk. So he met that need. There are things we want from God or have wanted from God that we didn't get and won't get. Sorry to say it. But I believe when that's the case, it's because he knows what we truly need even when we don't see it. We need to trust God a little bit more today. Maybe he's working something together, something that you need by holding off something that you want. It's in the in-between moments where the miracles of God happen. And sometimes it's not what you want, but it's what you need. The second thing I believe we can count on happening in the in-between moments, the in-between moments are where we learn that Jesus is enough. I'm gonna read from a passage earlier in Jesus' ministry where he reminds some doubters that he is all he needs. So I'm gonna read through this and then give a little bit of context afterwards, but it's John 6, 25 to 35. So Jesus, I'll give you the context now because it makes more sense. (laughs) Jesus had just fed the 5,000 with five loaves, two fish. And then he and his disciples went to the other side of the lake the next day. The people he had just fed with this miracle are coming and looking for him. So when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. Not, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which, is the, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then he said to them, what must we do to do the works of God, the work of God requires. Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign will you give us that we may see, in, 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 see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna and the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to this world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So Jesus, he says, he says to these people, you came looking for me because I fed you not because I be- you believed in me. And the crowd saying, well, show us a miracle and we'll believe. This is where it makes me laugh in this story because <laughs> if it were me, I would be like, did you not just see what I did yesterday? 
I fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. Did we miss that somehow? I already showed you a miracle, but because Jesus is kinder than I am and more patient than I am, we see his good character of patience and grace and he doesn't pound them with that fact. He says, you come to me looking for bread, for miracles, but I am the miracle. I am the bread. You'll never hunger or thirst when you come to me. He is the bread of life. These people are looking for a miracle. And he says, I am the miracle. Jesus is enough. Colossians 1.18 says, he is the head of the body of the church and he is the beginning, the firstborn from dead so that he himself will come to have the first place in everything. He is preeminent. He is the top of everything. Nothing else to gain, nothing else to get. He's it. The goal in the end, what it's all about is Jesus. You know, following Jesus is not necessarily going to make you wealthy. (laughs) Following Jesus is not going to mean you're always going to be healthy. But the message of scripture and the gospel of Christ is not that following him, everything goes right, but when it doesn't, he is enough. That's the message of the gospel. Jesus is enough. So we may pursue healing, but we may not get it. But he's enough if we don't. Jesus is sufficient. It's not about what Jesus gets you, but keeping him at the top because that is enough. Because what more could you need? He is the bread of life. You will never go hungry or thirsty if you believe in him. We can't do it on our own. We can't do this life on our own. We can't get through the gaps on our own. And we can't begin to see how we can be salt and life on this earth on our own in the in-between moments without Jesus. He is everything, so we don't have to be. What freedom there is in that. It's in the in-between moments that we realize that Jesus is enough. Got one more point. I'm going to ask the band to come back, uh, make their way. I believe the third thing that we can see in the in-between moments, in the in-between moments is where we find God's mercy and grace most prominent. I'm going to read from Luke 23, 39 to 43. This is Jesus on the cross. He's been cru- being crucified for our sins. Um, and he's beside two criminals, two thieves. So we're gonna pick up scripture, Luke 23, starting in verse 39. One of the criminals on a cross began to shout insults at Jesus. Aren't you the Christ? Then save yourself and us. But the other criminal stopped him and said, you should fear God. You are getting the same punishment he is. We are punished justly, getting what we deserve for we did, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. So the first criminal, the first thief, aren't you the Christ? Prove it. Show me that you are. Save me. Convince me by saving me and you. Save us all. Convince me. I want you to prove it. Prove you are who you say you are. The first thief is like, why is this happening to me if you are God? Why am I troubled? Why am I hurting? Aren't you God? Save me. Then the second criminal, and this is shortly after he threw his own insults at Jesus, but he changed his tune. He hears Jesus pray for the people prosecuting him and stops the first criminal. He's like, are you crazy? No, stop. We are getting what we deserve. We are criminals. We are thieves. We've been hanging out with the wrong crowd. We're marked. The second criminal, 
he realizes it. He realizes his punishment is just for what he's done, but not Jesus. I deserve this, it's the price that I pay. Then Jesus, he turns to the second thief after he simply says, remember me when you enter your kingdom. And he says, today you will be with me in paradise. So remember, these two thieves both wanted to be saved from dead. One, save me, save us, save yourself, prove it. You say you're all powerful, show me. And then the second thief, I am sinful, you are perfect, Jesus. I deserve this moment, you don't. You are good, I am not, you are king. Would you save me? Is that not the gospel? His life of service to the king was just one moment one moment of repentance and faith, and that day he was gonna be with the king in paradise. Not when we have all of our ducks in a row, not once you get your affairs in order and get all cleaned up. He didn't look at the man and say, well, what have you done? How many times have you been in church in the last year? Did you do good? No, he says, today I will see you in paradise. This man was in between. He was in a gap moment between a life of crime and destruction and a miserable eternity. One small space, one small gap. Romans 4, 24 says, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him who raised Jesus, our Lord from the dead. We work too much trying to be good. God says, no, I called you good because I sent Jesus and that is enough. (laughs) He was moments away from this gap closing between life and eternity. Then Jesus in this gap does the miraculous. He declares he's enough through him and his mercy and grace abound. Our God is a God of the gaps, a God of the middle moments, the in-betweens, and he meets us every time with miracles, sufficiency, mercy and grace. We're gonna enter back into worship for a couple minutes and in a couple minutes, we're gonna see some people being baptized saying, oh, I get it, Jesus is enough. Jesus met me in a gap and declaring the goodness of that in front of all of us today. And we're excited, we're gonna celebrate, but in the next couple moments, I'm gonna get everyone to stand up. We're gonna work, go back into worship and just encourage us all to ask ourselves this morning, are we expecting God to move in the gaps? What gap are you in today? I wanna remind you that Jesus is enough. We need to seek Him, seek Him earnestly with intention, expectancy and desire. Jesus is enough. Our God is a God of the middle moments, The miracles happen in the middle moments. Jesus proves he's enough in the middle moments and his grace and mercy abound in these middle moments. As we worship, ask ourselves, are we seeing the moments to be God's hand and feet in the gaps, in these in-betweens? Let's go from here today and make these in-between moments count. So God, we thank you today. We thank you that you are a God that is alive and active in our lives today. And it doesn't matter if the big moments are big or small, you're in them, God. We thank you for that. We praise you for that. We we give glory to your name for that. God, as we worship you here today, just give us, put it in our hearts, God, what you'd have us do with these in-between moments. Work through us in these in-betweens, God. 
God, we're here this morning. We were seeking you, God. We desire you to come move. We desire an outpouring of your Holy Spirit on this place this morning, God. We believe in you, God. We believe that you are a miracle worker, God. So we pray for that to come down this morning as we worship you. In Jesus' name.